Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. Welcome to ReChurch, a podcast of the Gospel Fellowship Association. My name is Marshall Fant. Obviously, I'm not the Marshall Fant you're used to hearing. I'm the senior pastor at Harvest Baptist Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina, where I've been serving as senior pastor since 2017. And prior to that, I was on staff since 2009. It was a privilege of serving with my dad for many years, something I'm very grateful for. And for reasons that are going to become pretty obvious, I'm going to be the one asking the questions today. So I'm very thankful for this opportunity to bring you a conversation with my dad, Marsh Fant. And most of you who listen on a regular basis know about his ministry. And uh, over the past several weeks, my dad has experienced a trial that some of you know about, and we appreciate your concerns and your prayers. This conversation today was my idea. My dad wasn't the one to put himself up front and center, but I thought his experience would be a huge help for pastors, lay workers, and really any Christian who faces unexpected physical trauma. So dad, welcome. Hey, thank you. This is a reverse role here. Right. This is pretty fun. And uh, we're really glad to be talking like this. For those who don't know, you've had an interesting several weeks here. Yeah. Uh, Kind of fill us in on what happened and give us a play-by-play. Yeah, so four weeks ago, well, so we're recording this in June. So on May 14th, I did my usual thing. We got up and walked. My wife, uh, Gretchen, and I went for a walk and came back. And then I used those stretch bands, the rubber bands, to do workouts. And so I was upstairs early in the morning. I was doing curls, so I had the band under my foot. And as I was pulling the, the band up to exercise, the band slipped out from under my foot and I used an attachment on the band for different exercises and that attachment hit me square in the left eye, square in the eyeball and immediately I went down really not knowing uh, the severity of what had just happened. I remember I had my hand over my eye because I was seeing blood. I didn't want to get blood on the carpet but I realized the blood was all in my eye. So I called and uh, Gretchen came and uh, our youngest son Andrew is home before he starts law school. He came and realized I had a pretty traumatic eye injury. And so uh, that was about 7.30 in the morning and by 8.15 or so Gretchen had me at my retina doctor and he was, you know, it's pretty obvious by the look on their faces things weren't good. So it's May 14th, and actually what happened, Marshall, I ruptured my eyeball. So if you could think about it, the attachment went against my glasses, pushed my glasses into my eyeball, and on the left side towards your ear of the left eyeball, uh, the eyeball actually ruptured. So that's what I found myself on May 14th. That was the state I was in. So when you found out your eyeball was ruptured, uh, your pressure on your eye had dropped very yeah. low, and they were very concerned about that, right? Yeah, the pressure was down to two. Uh, those who what's, tip, what's a typical? Yeah, pressure? anywhere between they say between ten and twenty-two is good. Okay, but at two, uh, the doctor was in. Uh, you could tell he was very distressed, and he let me know from the beginning the goal is simply to save the eyeball. Uh, sight may or may not come back, but the goal at that point was just simply to find a way to get the eye to rest. Uh, so that was, um, could not see, no vision. 
That was on a Thursday morning. And so after that, you had another appointment. How soon after that? Yeah, so what happened, of course, you know, when you have an eye injury like that, you're told not to move hardly at all. So I was in the recliner most all day and slept in the recliner that night. And during the night, I had a severe headache. And what happened, then the eye filled up with blood. So it was um, a lot of hemorrhaging going on in the eye. So I went back to the doctor the next morning. And again, they even were more concerned because the socket is full of blood, a lot of pressure on the eye, but there's really nothing they could do. They couldn't get in to drain the blood at this point. So the goal was to me to come to the office as much as I could to continue to get checked and just, just be still. So that started a two-week journey from May 14th to May 28th of just um, a series of migraine after migraine, no sight at all in the left eye, just very, uh, just, just a very difficult two weeks. Yeah, and from what I remember you telling us was uh, with all the pain and everything in your eye, not to, I don't want to gross people out who are listening. Yeah. This is not, the point of this is not to uh, be as graphic as possible, no. just kind of let you know yeah. some of the, the stresses and the difficulties that were, that were going on. This was not just a, a casual uh, bump. This was a very serious situation. So at one point your eye was swollen up. It was, it was very uh, ugly. It was very difficult to look at. My mom said that, you know, it was just a very big challenge even to, to deal with the eye and to put drops in it. And, yeah. um, but eventually the, the swelling seemed to go down or started to go down. Right. And they were able to do an operation. They, they did your first operation. On May, uh, to, May the 28th. So 14 days after May 14th. So yeah, May 28th. Yeah, 28th. So they did a yeah. operation where they took the blood out of your eye to yeah. drain some of the pressure off the eye to yes. hopefully take care of some of the pain. Yes, and at that point, the migraines went away. So that was the first goal, to drain the blood. Ended up with a team of three doctors at the office I go to for my retina, because I've had retina problems in the past. And they were superb, and they found the right time. Uh, so it was a question of timing at the exact time when to go in to drain the blood, and they chose on May 28th, two weeks after the original injury, to do that. And that relieved a lot of pressure and uh, made me feel immediately better, but still no vision. And then on June the 4th, the second surgery, and the second surgery they went in and rebuilt the eye, and they put what they call a buckle or a silicone a rubber band that goes around the eyeball, and then that allows the retina, Lord willing, to lay back out. And then to fill your eyeball with gas, and uh, I mean, not gas, that's the old way, with oil, excuse me, with oil. And that holds the eye in place. So where I am now is about a week outside surgery, and uh, the eye is stable. Most of the headaches are gone, and the eye is in a place where now the Lord, uh, the, the doctors have done all they can do. Now the right. Lord will hopefully heal and bring some sight back to that eye. So I just have some thoughts and questions as we hear about your experience, really difficult, and I can't imagine challenging a few weeks, something you never anticipated no. uh, at the beginning of the year. But what were you thinking as the doctors were telling you your options as they were going through this? And I would just say, as there's so much unknown Hmm. How did you wrestle with the unknown while you were going through this? Because there's a lot of time to sit and think, I'm sure, where you're not able to get up and move around and do stuff. How did you wrestle through that? Well, it was immediately obvious to me that I had, I need to use this for God's glory. I had interviewed other men 
remember interviewed Rand Hummel after he had his sudden heart attack. I'd interviewed other men on, you know, when physical afflictions enter your life. And, and so I thought about through that, but the, what immediately came to my mind was, okay, I can do nothing about this except for go back. And I knew my spiritual need during this season was to fall in love with Jesus again. And as you know, as pastors and preachers, we get, we get so caught up. In fact, I was finishing an in-depth study on the book of Romans. I never had the chance to, or I never took the opportunity to preach through Romans. So I was going through and done a lot of research. I'd done all my research on all of Romans. And, you know, I was getting into 14 and 15 on how to help churches in conflict, the weaker brother, the stronger brother, you know, all this to help churches. And I was in the middle of all that. And I said, no, I'm putting that aside. I'm going back to the Gospels because I knew in the, the spiritual state, the mental state, the physical state I in, I needed Jesus. I need to love him and fall in love with him all over again. Wow. How has this journey you've gone through in the past four weeks impacted your relationships with other people? Wow. Um, very emotional. Yeah. I think... Uh, Excuse me if I break up a little bit here. I remember I was sitting in my in a chair. Again, that's about all you can do. And I could see out of my right eye, my left eye's a patch over it and bandaged and everything. And I got a card from a lady in our church in Rock Hill. And she recalled the first time she walked in Harvest Baptist Church. And I was preaching from that morning. In that, in that time, I was preaching from John chapter 10. Uh, excuse me, John chapter 9. And she went through her journey of losing sight in an eye. And she felt like that message to her out of John was, I think her wording was a warm blanket on a cold heart. And that was, I mean, I sat there and I wept mm -hmm. because she knew firsthand what I was going through and where as preachers, we preach the Word. We don't have to experience everything to minister the Word. But as the Word took a hold of her heart, I said, Lord, give me that. I need your Word to be a blanket over my soul. So that card, I still have it. I've gotten tons of cards, people praying for me, and just from, you know, all our relationships in the past of in Rock Hill, through GFA, through different ministries, Prayer requests have gone out. I've gotten emails and texts from around the world. And just knowing that people are praying. Yeah. And that's um, ministered greatly to my heart. Oh, I'm sure it has. And it's neat to see things come back from a long time ago and relationships you've built, things you've said before, perhaps even people remembering that. I'm sure it was encouraging. What are some of the um, unexpected hardships that you've come through through this physical trial, things you didn't expect. I mean, obviously, when it initially happened, you knew there were going to be some obstacles. Right. What are some things that you you did expect, and then perhaps uh, more importantly, what are some things that kind of surprised you about this physical trial? Um, I mean, obviously, you know me well, and I think a lot of people do. But those that don't know me, I'm pretty upbeat. I'm pretty, I'm pretty passionate, pretty determined to get things done. So what shocked me was depression started to set in. And when you're isolated and you're hurting and you're sitting in a dark room every day, 
and you don't want to hear anyone talk because your head hurts so bad, you can go into, I call it a black hole. I felt like I was getting sucked into a black hole. And what that did for me, I did not expect that. I said, Lord, I've got to get over this. So what it allowed me to do, so I started thinking back of everyone in our church in Rock Hill who went through physical afflictions like this, like migraines. And I just started praying for them and thanking God for the way they endured their trials. I think of a lady at our church named Teresa, and she went through six months of migraines. And, you know, she, she came out of the trial. God saw her through it. So as I would descend into what I call this black hole, I knew I couldn't stay there. I had to come out of it. And so I, I thought of people in my life that had been through trials like this, and now they were on the other side. So I just kept going back, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, God, your grace is sufficient. And as you saw Teresa through and all these other people through, their migraines, their isolation, um, Lord, I know you'll see me through. And I think the other thing was, it also put a burden on Gretchen, my wife, because she was the one having to give me the eye drop. She was the one having to check on me. I mean, because really for four weeks, I didn't do hardly anything. And so she uh, she just took up all the slack and and just, it not only put a hardship on me, but I felt like it was putting a hardship on her. And as a husband, you don't want to be a burden to your wife. Always try to be a blessing. So I think those two things, the depression, or as I call my black hole, I felt like I was getting sucked into it. And then just feel like I was becoming a burden to my wife. Those things were hard. I didn't expect those. Yeah. And when you, um, in those dark places, as you're able to think about how other people, and, and really, it sounds like what you were doing was thanking the Lord for yeah. other people. And you exactly. were turning your heart from complaining or from negative thoughts or whatever you might call it, whether it's um, negative feelings, negative yeah. thoughts, negative judgments, and really putting that on the, the positive, how God has tremendously worked among other people. Yep. And, and so as you went through this, I'm sure it's helped you understand when other people have gone through this in ways that you never anticipated. Because like you said, you're typically a very positive person. You haven't gone through a lot of these dark places before in the same way. And I'm sure something like this gave you new insight for even some of the biblical passages where the Apostle Paul talks about going through being, you know, hard pressed on every side, yeah. being under affliction. Yeah. Have you had a chance to think through oh, yeah. that so, aspect? Some? You know, the beauty of technology is I could get up, I could cut all the lights off and I have an iPad. So I could cut the brightness way down and put the fonts way up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I could sit there and I knew from the first day I had to go back to the gospel. And so I, I didn't start Matthew, I started Mark. And every time Christ dealt with someone with a physical affliction, oh, it just jumped off the page. I never realized how much of his ministry. Now, I know all, a lot of that, you know, Messianic passages, I understand that. But it's still, God sent Christ, and part of the way he declared himself to be the Messiah was doing miracles with people with physical afflictions. Right. And every time, I, I, I mean, all these passages, I was... So my heart's desire reading through this as I was going through, I was in Luke and it said the people hung on to every word he said. So my goal during this season is to hang on to every word Christ says as he ministers to people. And, and I, I never will forget the, um, the passage in Mark 8 
is in verse 24 when Christ was dealing with the man that was blind. And at the first stage, the man said, Christ, you know, touched his eyes. And the man said, I see men as trees walking. Well, I promise you before, that didn't mean much to me. But when you can't see out of one eye and you're begging God for any sight at all, that passage took on whole new meaning. Now, in the passage, remember, he went back and gave him full sight. Right. But what it made me realize, when you can't see any sight, I mean, so it was kind of like a double blessing. He got to right, right. First, he got to see, you know, kind of like the outline of men walking, and then, then Christ gave him full vision. So that passage, it just became, it meant so much to me. And then before I went in for my first surgery, I was reading that morning, and and when, when they're talking about the, you know, the hairs on your head are numbered. Right. Well, okay, I know that. I know that. But when you're going under surgery to try to get sight back, okay, God, if you know my hairs, you know my eye. And I, I think the positive is the, the doctors never gave us hope beyond, okay, this is where we are. All three doctors were very sober and very conservative. So I think Gretchen and I came to the conclusion one night that, okay, the site, we're going to prepare as though it will never come back. Okay, so you, you grieve, you know, you grieve over that. Mm-hmm. But okay, but that now that, that line is drawn. Okay, that's our expectation. And Lord, anything beyond that is, is just such a blessing. Right. You know, anything beyond that. So as, as I was going through the scriptures, every passage that dealt with any kind of physical affliction that Christ was dealing with, with people, in John 6, when even he fed the 5,000. Well, he knew their physical needs. Okay, so that, that took on new meaning. I mean, before it was just always the miracle, the multiplication. No, these people had a physical need. Just think about John chapter 9, again, the man born blind. And, and Christ said, this is for God's power to be demonstrated through him. Wow. In fact, just this morning I was reading in, about Lazarus and, and, you know, the fact that he died. Right. That was in chapter 11, John 12, 11. And it said, because of Lazarus' death, many believed. Because of his death and resurrection. So God used that physical affliction, even of death, so people would believe. So in my life, again, it's been a very hard time physically, but one of the best times spiritually in my life of just going back and remembering who Jesus is. And yeah, what, and I, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt no, you there, but I, I think about how in the Gospels it is true that so many of these people, these afflictions really were life defining in yes. many ways. I mean, they had the man with the withered hand. Yes. You know, that defined his life. He could only do so much. The man born blind, the man, you know, at the side of the road begging because he could not see. And then you have the woman with the issue of blood. Yeah. I mean, I can just keep going all the different people in the scriptures, in the in the Gospels who have these life-defining, and I'm sure in some ways it has felt over the past four weeks, this has touched every area of your life. This incident, this accident has impacted everything. Well, you know, another story, and I know when all you guys were small, one of your favorite Bible stories was Blind Bartimaeus. That's right, yeah. And even reading Bartimaeus again, or going through this, and the thing I never noticed before, you know, he left his coat behind, and went to Jesus. In other words, that's probably about all as a beggar he had. But just the way he wanted to get to Jesus. 
And I said, Lord, just put aside anything that's going to keep me from getting to Jesus. And I'm serious. That's just where I am. Well, that's tremendous. I guess I was going to ask as we kind of wrap things up here, where do things stand now with your condition? Obviously, you're feeling a lot better as we've been on the phone a lot over the past several weeks. Uh, You've gotten a lot better. You've been able to talk. We're able to have this conversation. Probably could not have had this conversation even maybe two weeks ago or a week ago. How are things progressing? How are you doing physically? Doing very well. So the second surgery that restored the eyeball to where it can heal, they said we're at a great starting point. In other words, it could not be a better starting point. The retina is Good. is unfolded. Everything is in place. So they've cleared me even to travel. So I'm trying to get just my strength back from the overcoming the anesthesia. And so right now, uh, my right eye is, I mean, I wear glasses, but it's fine. It's just the left eye is, um, well, it's like I see men as trees walking. <laughs> can, can you, you can see some things then. You can see can. some shadows maybe. For another week, it will be dilated just so it can rest. But when I take the patch off, I can, uh, I can see outlines. If you were standing right in front of me, I could tell, you know, you're a man I may not even recognize your face because I can't see that much, but I can see outlines and shadows. Exactly what Mark 8:24 describes. That's exactly where I am. It's amazing. And, and Lord willing, I've talked to several friends that have called. I did not know they went through this. They had had retina problems. So the the key thing is the next uh, three to four months. Uh, either it will, um, you know, the eye could reject what they've done. So I still could lose the eye. And then again, the sight could get better. But the doctors are pleased where it is. I just got to continue to trust in the Lord. Right, right. And it's been a very uh, difficult several weeks, but I've been very thankful. I'm not just saying this because you're my dad, but I've been very thankful to hear all how you've gone through this and how the Lord has used this in your life. And I just know that other people are going to benefit from this perspective because I know it's got to be something that, you know, there are people all over the world who experience a hardship like this. Maybe it's not an uh, an exercise band hitting them in the eye, but it's something similar. There are all kinds of afflictions that people have that are life determining, that are life defining, I should say, that make a impact on every area of their life. Oh, let me say one thing. Another thing I think was hard for me was, you know, then you say, you know, I'm an idiot. How in the world do you do this? I mean, how, how do you allow this to happen? So you start blaming yourself and then you go through these things. But the key significant thought is this, just in the snap of a finger, your life can change. And so what I have found is when Gretchen and I, uh, you know, just start to pray during the day, every day is a blessing. And, you know, I think we were on cruise control, like you mentioned. Uh, We're both in our mid-60s, have not had any major physical afflictions. And I'm telling you, in one moment, all that changes, and then it changes your perspective on each day. And hopefully it changes our perspective of Christ. Yeah, that's been a wonderful testimony to hear, and I really appreciate you opening up. I know it hasn't been easy to talk about these things. You know, it's not a very easy topic to discuss, but I appreciate your openness. I appreciate your transparency and the difficulties that you face. Hopefully there are some believers who hear this message and understand that they're not the only people who face this kind of stuff. They're not the only person who's gone into that black hole and that they need to fall in love with Christ all over again. And that's the way out. That's the way to find joy and peace through this. And you know, one other thing, and um, 
You're the one supposed to be asking the questions. I'll let you okay. ask the questions. No, fire away, yeah. This is the beauty of a local church. When you're in fellowship in a local church, the one another's. I sat there and just thought about all the the one another's. And, you know, when you when people are ministering to you, you sit there and say, man, I feel I should have been ministering to this person and that person. But I would just encourage anyone listening that's not in a good local church where the one another's are being demonstrated, you need to find one because the black holes are going to come into your life where you need others checking on you and praying for you and interceding for you before the throne of God. And this is the power of believers loving Christ and loving each other and interceding for each other. So the power of the local church, again, is so important. And I just greatly appreciate, you know, Marshall, your ministry, the ministry here in Clemson with Pastor Cook, and just those that, that just come together in prayer. And I know Arch Ministries, and, and they put out a prayer request, and other pastors and other churches praying. It's, it's phenomenal to be uplifted and be carried along in the Spirit of God by the power of prayer. Amen. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. I appreciate Great. your time today. And uh, I hope well, no, everyone... Thank you who, for reversing chairs here. Well, you know, it's it's been a blessing, and I, <laughs> I have enjoyed it, every minute of it. And thank you for joining us today. We're very glad you've chosen to be here, and I won't be here uh, for the next uh, episode, but uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for the uh, opportunity to interview you on this, and I would just encourage anyone listening to continue to pray. We're not out of the woods yet. I'm sure that there's some some things that still need to be done and things that still need to happen and healing that still needs to take place. So continue to pray. We appreciate your prayer. It means a lot to us as a family. There are so many people praying and we just you know appreciate how God has worked through this. Thank you so much for joining us and God bless you all. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.